This is Sunday Focus, a weekly public affairs program that looks at the topics affecting our society and the people who are making a change in the community each and every day. The people who have vision for the next generation. Sunday Focus presents new challenges for us, keeping you informed with topics of local and regional interest. Now the host of Sunday Focus, Christine Manica. Good morning. Coming up on the program today, I'll sit down with Sioux Falls City Councilor Kurt Sale. Councilor Sale will talk to us about the latest in the city and the latest happenings within the Sioux Falls City Council. All that and more coming up on Sunday Focus. Counselor, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. You know, it's always nice to have people in the studio. You kind of miss that yes. a little bit. So this is this is nice to have. Now, obviously, there's a lot to go over, especially with COVID. It's changed a lot of aspects in our life. But before we get to any of that, let's just talk about the plans for the city of Sioux Falls this year. 2020 was a tough year. And even bo- before the pandemic started, there were plans in place. Can you talk about those plans? For the city, certainly. Yes. We, we were on a great trajectory, in, you know, a year ago before the COVID came. Yeah. And actually, the city itself, the city government, has come through very well for that. But there were plans for expansion. There were building plans that, that a lot of businesses have had. And that all relates to tax dollars when it comes. It all talks about building permits and the dollars that go forward. So some of the individual businesses have delayed their plans and moved them around, which affects what the city does. And now... In the future, as with the Amazon coming and the new, um, I'll call it the Schwann's parent company coming to Foundation Park, we have moved some of that building plans, the roads, the infrastructure up a little bit in our timetable to make accommodations. So the city government of Sioux Falls has come through very well because we, when the COVID did come, we were very prudent in stopping some of the programs, you know, as the swimming pools were closed down mm-hmm. because of the concerns that they had there. So we saved a lot of revenue. We also cut back on some of the things they were going to do. So we ended up the year in a very good financial situation. And now with the CARES Act money that has come through, through. It is some last year and some now we just got at the end of the year. We're pu- putting in place plans to make sure that we spend that in a prudent manner. And now just recently in Washington, D.C., American Rescue Plan has come through. We're going to receive additional dollars. We're not quite sure how much that's going to be or what strings are going to be attached. But 2021 being a challenging year for all of us, businessmen, individuals, yeah. family, uh, I think 2021 is going to be an exciting year for us. So we would you say that COVID did overshadow a majority of those plans or would you say some of those plans for the city did come to fruition? I would say both of those statements are correct. <laughs> we did proceed with some of the things that we wanted to do, such as building the new police fire training center. That that process has started. The money has been allocated and they're ready to go. That was something that we knew was not was needed and COVID was not going to stop it. But there was a three-month period last year where pretty much everything was put on hold because there was so so unknown what could happen, not just for the city, but for all the people that work in the city. You know, we recently, just very recently in the city, have allowed everybody to get back to the office. Before that, we had put the people, the city employees who could work remotely, 
let them work remotely because of the safety concerns. Now, as the vaccines start to roll out and we've seen the infection rates going down, we're trying to get back to business as normal. You know, there are a couple of questions that still lingered in the community, even during this this difficult time, such as that unfinished parking garage. For anyone who isn't really fully aware of what's going on or what's happening, can you talk about that parking garage in the downtown area? It was back in November where I sat down with a Councillor Brecky about this. Are there any sort of new developments with this project? You know, none that I know of. I know this, that it's in litigation, and I am not an attorney, but I do know sometimes attorneys work very slow. I do know the court system has been very backed up through all of the COVID and that they've had to move some things remotely. So if there was supposed to be court hearings, some of them have been pushed back. Now, I do know negotiations and discussions have gone on with the builder and with the city, but I cannot give you any more information. I wish there was something to come. I push for it all the time when I see the city attorney. I said, let's get it done. But we're kind of at loggerheads. I think that some hopefully a resolution will come very soon. What do you hope happens with that parking garage? I hope the original plan to build on top of it someday succeeds. And I believe that will happen based on the interest that we receive from a lot of developers and builders around the country. Whether or not that's the current people that we're dealing with or somebody in the future, I'm not sure. But I am confident that someday in the future, there will be a complex built on top of that parking garage. It's just too attractive a situation for people. Yeah, exactly. And speaking about the future of Sioux Falls, there's a whole bunch of new businesses coming to our area. You already hinted at Amazon already. Chipotle opened up their doors. Oh, my gosh. I went there twice on opening day. (laughs) I'm not kidding when I say that. And now there's news with Chick-fil-A opening up, I believe, in the fall of this year. They're just starting to build up that project. And Amazon, can you talk about any of those two things or other businesses coming to Sioux Falls? Well, certainly. Certainly Amazon was the the big shiny object that really caught everybody's attention, not just here, but across the country that they were coming to Sioux Falls. And they're currently building right now. There's five cranes out there, as I just drove by the other day, and they're going great guns. They want to have their be up and running in September so they can get ready for the Christmas season. And now with the parent company of Schwann's making an acquisition up in Foundation Park, that's thousands of jobs that are between the two of them. So along with that, I I know that... uh, the Chamber of Commerce and the Development Foundation, they have been working steadily to bring these businesses. There has been an increased amount of interest in businesses to move to South Dakota and especially Sioux Falls. We have a vibrant economy here, especially when you look based upon what's happened in the rest of the country. COVID has really devastated some cities across the United States. Sioux Falls, we have suffered through it, but I think we've made it through. So I don't have any announcements I could do that. You could probably talk to the Chamber of Commerce or <laughs> you know, talk to some of the people in the Development Foundation. They might give you some more insights. But they have expressed to me that the interest is through the roof and they're working real hard at it. Why do you think Sioux Falls or just the state in general is so attractive to these major companies? Well, I think one of the issues was this past year through COVID, we didn't shut down. We made some restrictions. We had some people uh, concerned and a lot of people were working remotely. But when you take different parts of the country that were totally shut down, nobody could go to work. They shut things down. And now they see the fact that Sioux Falls has still been pumping along. They want to come. And it's a good chance for them to do that. Also, 
the cost of doing business in South Dakota and in Sioux Falls is cheaper than if you're in New Jersey or Minneapolis or uh, even Omaha. So we have a lower cost of doing business. And we have done things right in the city as far as promoting those things and keeping our infrastructure up so that they can come here. And we have things that are still going on. You know, we have just about every sport you want to see. We might not be NFL ready, but we still have great football. We have great hockey. We have all of that stuff. And I think a lot of people around the country are just tired of the hustle and bustle they might get in in downtown Milwaukee, and they might be looking to come here. What do you hope that comes to the Sioux Empire eventually? Well, I'm personally a big proponent of a curling rink. Uh, (laughs) We have a vibrant, small, but vibrant curling community in Sioux Falls. And I think that would be one thing. But I do know there's several conversations about what other things we really need here in Sioux Falls. But I will tell you that I'm working with the USD Discovery District on trying to attract more high-tech businesses to Sioux Falls. And along with that, I would like to see more jobs created in that sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 range yeah. that I think that's our next priority is we can make that happen. I have to do this little plug because <clears throat> I always say this to the mayor and the president and CEO of the chamber, when are we getting a Dunkin' Donuts? It needs to happen, counselor. Well, I agree with that. You know, there is a new donut shop that opened on Minnesota yes, Avenue very yes. recently, and, and I've been there. And I will say that I, I'm a, a big connoisseur of the donuts. I go here on Saturday mornings. I take the grandkids. We pick up some donuts, bring them back. They fill me in on what's going on through their week. So I am a huge proponent. If we can get more donut shops in Sioux Falls, I'll be all for that. For me, it's all about the iced coffee when it comes to Dunkin' Donuts. I literally cannot have enough of it. I'm going to keep that in mind for the future. If you are just listening, Counselor Kirk Sale, he is on the not on the phone with us. He's actually in the studio with us uh, talking about the latest in the city of Sioux Falls. Okay, so now let's transition to COVID-19. Obviously, there's a lot to talk about with that. So... Let's kind of start from the beginning when COVID first started in March of 2020. When the first case was confirmed and announced, how did you react to the situation at first? Well, me personally, I... I didn't really know what we were dealing with as a lot of people didn't know Mm -hmm. so we had meetings with the health director and we had and i have uh, medical people in my family and i kept reaching out to him but it was such a new virus at that time that there wasn't a lot known about it and i was a little cavalier to start with but as more information came out i personally have tried to take it very seriously this past year uh i'm a big proponent of masks and i think a lot of people understand that but with the medical community what they were going through this past year with a slow increase Mm -hmm. in sioux falls and in south dakota and then a huge spike last fall it's been very stressful on us we as a city really didn't put our plans in place for the first, I will say, month. And then all of a sudden, we went into action. We allowed people to work remotely. We put some restrictions on what was going on. We stopped some of the projects, like the summer swimming and outdoor things. We did that along with the COVID. That's a stressful situation for the citizens of Sioux Falls, especially if you're a parent of children and you want to go to the pool. That's a routine. That's a ritual for people in Sioux Falls. So that put a lot of strain on the public throughout this past year put a strain on our family i know uh it actually for my employer i 
didn't travel for a year. I worked out of my basement most of the time. So it put a strain on it. COVID is, it, it's here. It's probably going to stay. I hope that in the future we can just get an annual booster like we do our flu shots. Mm-hmm. I, the, remarkable the way that medical professionals have dealt with this thing in the past year. And we can never thank them enough for all the works that they do and are continuing to do. Now, when COVID first came about, how was it first brought up to the council? Well, I, I can't recite the exact communication, but I know we got communicated by the mayor's office. Mm-hmm. Something's coming. It, it certainly was in the national news by that time. Mm-hmm. And then hey, this is coming here. We have to start preparing for it. So we did have some meetings with the health department, and they, of course, had meetings beyond belief to to get ready for it. And then we had several presentations by the health department to the whole council and our informationals. And they were very good and very informative, and they kept us up to date as much as they knew. But we originally remember that it was going to be 70 plus percent of the people were going to get infected and that we were going to have to shut down and it was terribly deadly. Thank goodness the medical professionals on the East Coast and other countries were ahead of it a little bit so we could learn here how to treat it better than they did. So we were able to to do that as a city based on some of the experiences saw in other parts of the country. I was going to say, it seems like from my perspective anyway, South Dakota was kind of late to getting the virus in the state. I'm originally from the Illinois, Chicago area. And I remember my dad and my mom telling me, hey, did you hear about COVID going around? Or did you hear that we're shutting down businesses? And I said, what? What are you talking about? That's not really happening over here. And I just kind of brushed it off at first myself. But then all of a sudden, cities and states across the country were shutting down. They were implementing those mass mandates. And then you have those select states like South Dakota who were pretty much continuing operations as normal. Now, Governor Christine she has and still is leading and leaving it up to the city officials to make these proper decisions. And Sioux Falls did place ordinances along with a form of a mask mandate. We already mentioned about the ordinances in a previous interview with uh, Councillor Brecky and Councillor Starr. So let's talk about the mask mandates. In fact, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you were one of the councillors who helped form this mask mandate. That's correct. That's correct. And, And we had had several discussions with the city administration and I did with the medical professionals that I knew and other counselors on what do we do? When do we hit that critical point that we are forced to do something? Well, it did get to that point where I felt it really need we really need a mass mandate mm-hmm. in Sioux Falls. And that was at the time, if you remember, the, the hospitals were full. Yeah. They were doubling up in ER. People were dying at a rapid rate. The infection rates were through the roof. Our first attempt at it in the city council did not pass. So then we redrafted it a little bit and we took a little, little bit looser uh, enforcement action in the, and then we reintroduced it. Councilor Rick Kiley and I were the two prime sponsors of that. And we moved forward and we did get the mass mandate. We extended it uh, a couple of times and then as infection rates have gone down, then the, the force to keep it fell apart. And I understand some of the reasoning behind that. But it was very stressful. And I will tell you on a personal level, uh, it was one of the hardest decisions 
that I had to make is when to bring this and what it would do to the community. And the public input that I received, whether it be phone calls, emails, text messages, uh, people knocking on my door, was just overwhelming. To this day, I still have not been able to respond to all of those people. Thousands and thousands of people on both sides of the issue commented on it. So it was a little bit divisive, but sometimes, you know, I remember somebody told me once, Kurt, don't get into politics if you want to be popular. If you want to be popular, go sell ice cream. So (laughs) I'm not afraid to make a hard decision now and then. And this was one of them that we had to make. That actually brings up a good point. It's tough to make the unpopular decision when it's automatically could be considered the right decision. Did you feel in that moment when you knew that you had to bring up this mask mandate that you were kind of taking a leadership role and just speaking out what probably a majority of people were thinking at the time. Well, I don't know quite how to put it. I I think I was probably forced into that position because I had been pushing other people to do it. I had been asking the mayor to introduce it, and he was unwilling to do that. I was trying to get other people, uh, the council leadership, to do it, and and there was a the resentment. So it it was a, one evening I knew that I just came to the decision. I've un, unpopular as it is, even if I have no support. I have to state my position and stake it out. And then I started making phone calls that n- the next day. I said, I've made up my mind. I'd already had the city attorney working on a resolution for probably a month, just in case that something came up. And one of my first phone calls on that was to Christine Erickson, Councilor Christine Erickson. And I knew that she would not be in favor of a mandate, but I respect her and I wanted her opinion on how we could do this thing and not tear apart the council and not tear apart the city. So that's how the process I did. As far as standing up and and taking a leadership role, I think once you raise your hand and you say, I want to be on the city council, you've, you've indicated that you're willing to take the leadership on certain issues. Absolutely. So would you say then with the hospital rates going up, the cases going up, was that the ultimate deciding factor to create that mask mandate? Yes. When we saw and the hospitals and the health department continue to tell us that they're full, that the ERs were putting two in a room and that they were getting to the point where they were shipping people that out of out of Sioux Falls that had other diseases or other issues. And the question would be, if you got into a car accident, would there be room for you in the ER? Mm. And when that came back, well, we're not sure, then absolutely I knew it was a time to go. If you are just joining us, Counselor Kurt Sale, he is with me in the studio. You've already hinted at this already. The counselor, the council meetings that involved those mask mandates were emotional, and that's putting it on a lighter note. Um, I've mentioned this before in the past, but I did watch all of those meetings live from my home, and almost every time, I think Mayor Paul Tenhaken had to be the deciding factor for those crucial crucial votes, especially during that last vote. What was the feeling inside that councilor chamber during this time period? Well, certainly if you watched him online, you could see he was very emotional. As a matter of fact, there were so many people watching online. Sometimes the video stream. Oh, it did. Yeah, yeah, for me, it did. And we have addressed that. I will say that (laughs) the, the city clerk and I have addressed that so that 
the issues going forward. We might not ever see that many people log in again, but you never know what's yeah. coming down the road. They were tense, I will say, but there's a there comes a point where you decide that you have to do what you're going to do, and the counselors have all kind of taken a position. We listen to the public, some of it very, very emotional on the way it is, and it's one of the feelings that you know you're going to disappoint a lot of people no matter which way you vote. And for me personally, I'd staked out my ground and I, I stuck by what the hospitals were telling me and the city health department was telling me. And I thought that has got to be, that's got to be my cornerstone. That's my linchpin. That's where I go to for my experts. So me personally, that's who I listen to. And I know a lot of people have taken this uh, personal the masks are very personal to them and, and whether or not they do or don't wear them. And I understand and I'm sympathetic to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at that point, I knew it was the best thing for a city. And as I said in the city council meetings, I don't sit in that chair as an individual. This isn't a decision for me. I have to do what I think is best for the city as a whole. And so that's the way it was staked out. I will give a uh, little kudos to the rest of the city council members. Uh, for the most part, I was treated with a, a lot of respect and we had some very serious discussions, uh, certainly offline about what to do it. And I was treated with a lot of respect from other city councilors and I appreciate that. It did get really tense though, that last meeting. And I know you guys all have that mutual respect for each other, but in that moment, an hour into that public input, when tensions did rise a little bit, what were you feeling even before the meeting started when people were pushing the chairs together or like I said before, that hour mark of that public input? Well, I thought when when I saw that the crowd the mob had gathered and pushed their chairs together, I felt a little bit disrespected hmm. for the rest of the people that were uh, wanted to attend the meeting. I know that there were people that wanted to speak out, but were not going to come into that situation. And when, when that that mob was together and they they you know pushed all their chairs together, when we had been for most part a year separating everybody by six feet, mm-hmm. so they were very emotional and they were very well organized, and so we could see that. So I knew at some point during the meeting that it was going to be a tough vote for the mayor, and it certainly was a very tough vote, and we've had some discussions on that going forward. So uh, it was an interesting evening, and about four days later, I finally got a night's sleep. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you thought you heard it all, and then you're sitting in your chair for a few more hours about public input. What does that tell you about the city's passion for topics like this? You you said it yourself. It's kind of interesting how you use the word mob just to describe the people that came in. Well, yeah, and, and, and trust me, I just didn't throw that word out there. Yeah. Some people have expressed to me that that's what it was. And, and, and that's unfortunate that individuals in that group were all associated together because not all of them had the same story. And that was unfortunate, but they all got kind of lumped into the same group going forward. And I think going for we've had council meetings run past midnight before and they go on and on and on. But everybody wants to get a chance to speak and they have a right to speak. I'd say previous administrations have limited discussion for one proponent, one opponent, one proponent, Mm -hmm. one opponent, and then they give them each about the same amount of time. Uh, In this situation, that's not what the mayor chose to do, and he is the chair of the meeting, so that's the way it went. 
What about those kids coming up and speaking? What, what does it say about oh, the future, man. too? I tell you what, that takes a lot of guts. It, it takes a lot of fortitude because, I, I, as I said, the first few times I ever had to speak in front of the council, my knees were shaking. <laughs> and for a young person to get up there and do that, uh, kudos to them and congratulations for having the, the chutzpah to get up and talk in front of a meeting like that. So, And I understand it's emotional for kids. I mean, my grandkids have gone through, uh, they've gone through a lot. They have yeah. two five-year-old grand sons and they're both a little different but they're both were getting into that preschool stage and they both needed some different social skills adapted and with the covid come on and with masks come on they really didn't get the full flavor that they maybe would have without the covid so i totally understand what young people are going through and you have to think about with that age too kids are used to seeing someone in a mask or kids are just being aware of the world around them they think it's pretty normal at this point so yeah it's it's emotional for kids all around now in all seriousness if by the way if you were just listening counselor kurt sale he is in the studio how are you doing after this year You, you know when you said yourself when you sign up to be part of the city council you say hey i want to be a voice for the people but no one ever signs up to navigate a city through a pandemic no that's correct but uh, i will say fortunately after all these years maybe i've had some some instance in my life that put it in perspective you know i was a firefighter for 20 years and so you're used to dealing with the emergencies and you're used to dealing with people that their emotions are running high and you have to learn how to adapt yourself to those situations so maybe it's trial by fire i would hope that the counselors and the administration that have been through this now are a little tougher uh you know to realize that some things have to do so me personally you know i've gained some weight because i haven't been out as much as i have been before my wife is an extremely good cook so we do a lot more meals at home uh, i have been very fortunate that it hasn't affected my occupation uh, it's affected it some but it really hasn't affected it to the extent that other people have lost their businesses they've lost their jobs to do that so personally we're, we're fine what's a lesson that you can take away from all of this if you had to choose one lesson there's a bunch to choose from I would say the lesson that if I was to help the next group of city councilors, because we're going to have elections coming up this next year, it'd be to try and remove the emotions out of the big decisions. Mm -hmm. And however you do that, whether you have to go someplace remotely to get away from the, the all the voices or however you do that, you have to remove the emotion out and make the most logical decision you possibly can. Because a year from now, five years from now, People remember the things that you've done. I've got a good friend of mine that was on the school board back in the 80s, and people still hate him for some of the redistricting things that he brought up. But he learned that he made the right decision for the school district, and he still lives by it. But I know that I've I've lost friends over this, but I am I can go to sleep at night knowing I made the right decisions. Where does the city and the counselor council go from here? Well, that's a very good question. As the, hopefully we see more vaccinations and we loosen up the economy a little bit, I look for great things. I really do. I think that not only the businesses that we've identified already are coming to town, we have a housing crisis here because there's not enough houses. There's not enough places to live. And houses, of course, have gone 
expense, expensive more than they were before because mm-hmm. of all the COVID restrictions that have happened in the industry. So I would hope that we can really get on the train again to start be, building a lot of single-family houses, multi-units, and that somehow the city council can use some of the resources that we have to make it affordable for individuals, young families, seniors to go ahead and get into the house and stay there. Lots of bright things that are going to happen in the city of Sioux Falls. Councillor Kurt Sale, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, I know your inbox is probably full of emails, <laughs> but if anybody does have a question for you specifically, where can they look you up? They can find my number on the city website under city council. And my email is also there at csale at siouxfalls.org. And you can email me or you can call that phone number. Um, you write me a letter. Well, you <laughs> I love send, that. Send it to the chamber councils we still do get handwritten letters which i really appreciate it so you can reach out to any one of those ways as always i appreciate having the city be part of this program and thank you councillor sale for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me all right we'll be back hey sioux falls you are amazing this is pastor rich from king of glory church in sioux falls most days do you feel that your life is not amazing well helping others helps you so we'll help you help those around you feel needed and valued To lift someone up you know who needs to know they're amazing, just visit youareamazingsf.com and we'll send you a free gift card to give them. Then see how amazing you feel just encouraging someone else. That's it. Now from King of Glory Church, go be amazing. When approaching a highway construction zone, slow down. I am Trooper Devon Clark of the South Dakota Highway Patrol. Always slow down to at least the posted speed limit when going through a construction zone. That way you can protect those working on the highways and you can be prepared to stop if necessary. And slowing down in construction zones can also save you money because speeding fines are doubled in work zones. Help everybody stay safe. I'm Christine Manica, and you've been listening to Sunday Focus. I'd like to thank Sioux Falls City Councilor Kurt Sale for joining us on the program today. Please join us again next week for another edition of Sunday Focus. Sunday Focus is a public affairs program of Results Radio, Town Square Media, Sioux Falls.